very motivated, very proactive, and uh, very timely in getting his jobs done. And uh, I guess that uh, I've adapted to that. And um, we wanted to make the most use of uh, Matt and, and Tom uh, coming from St. Augustine this past week to help us out with that. And um, we got further than I thought we could. I think we got further than Matt thought we would. Um, but it's unbelievable over there. It looks great. The classrooms still have yet to be finished out a little bit, some more painting and cleaning up inside the rooms. Um, but feel free to open the doors and, and take a look inside. They're trashed out right now, obviously, but um, you, you, I want you to see the vision. I want you to see what's, what's happening. And this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning for us. And um, uh, I am absolutely excited about what we have just accomplished in the last five days to everyone that was able to come uh, and, and, and be a part of that. It was phenomenal. Uh, we appreciate every single hand that painted and scraped and screwed on and everything, the, the whole bit. And um, it's been awesome. And this is for the entire body to enjoy. This is for our children's ministry to have classes for them. And, uh, you know, they say if you build it, they will come. And um, I know that it's uh, a heart of mine and my wife's to have uh, an excellent children's ministry, an excellent youth ministry, and that's what that construction was for. Um, could we just have class on the other side of this wall? Sure. But we have a vision, and we're excited about being able to minister to each age group individually, um, and that's what this is all about. And uh, so I want you guys to see it and be excited about that. We'll also have an opportunity for you guys uh, to sow into their lives. Um, they weren't coming up here getting paid nothing. Um, which is an uh, awesome blessing to us. I mean, that job was at least a $5,000 job altogether. Um, so the, the savings that we got on that side is unbelievable. But we want to sow into their lives. Uh, we want to, you know, the, the word says that a man is worthy of uh, his pay, uh, a, a working man. And they have definitely been working. They've definitely been putting their hand to something. And so we want to give you guys an opportunity, if you haven't been able to already, to sow into them. Um, anything will help, you know, gas and food coming up here and, and just time away. Um, Matt and Tom regularly throughout the week, uh, all they do is go to Anchor Faith down in St. Augustine and, and throughout the week, what, 9 to 1, 9 to 2 every day? Yeah, and you work over that plenty of times. Um, so they've given their lives, both of these gentlemen, um, have given their lives to the kingdom and to doing this work. And uh, for them to come up uh, two and a half hours north, um, you know, Pastor Earl called me, uh, was it yesterday or Friday, he called me and, and asked when he was getting his laborers back. <laughs> and um, so it, I know that they're excited to get them back, and they're in the, mi they're in the middle of a major building project themselves um, that they're getting ready to hit the ground running. And so for them to take their time when they could have just been doing odd and end jobs this last week uh, and, and to slam this and, and get it done um, is awesome. And their reward is with God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 that you do your work as unto the Lord. Um, if, if, if you want to do it for me or if you want to do it for the church, then you're going to get what I'm limited to giving you, a big thank you, a hug, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe a check. But when you do it for God, your reward is with him, and the time is made up. The, the, the physical uh, weariness and the, and the tiring is made up in it, and, um, and, and God honors that. Amen? So we will give you an opportunity at tithe and offering to, to sow into the work that they have done. Hallelujah. Let's get into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We've been talking um, about 180, and this is our last message in this series. <clears throat> and um, I'm excited uh, about where this ended up going. I really had no clue. Um, I, God gave me the specific topics on 180 that we were going to discuss. Um, but last week, we kind of turned a, a, a small page in 180, and I started talking to you about what God builds. And last week, we talked about families. We talked about our home. And we said that when God builds something, anything God builds, we've been doing a lot of building, but anything God builds... He has a specific design and system that it is to run and operate according to. Remember last week we looked all the way back in Exodus, and we saw that God told Moses, build me a tabernacle. Why? 
I want to dwell there. I want to put my glory on it, and I want to bless it. So God was very specific. When I build something or when I tell you to build something for me, you must follow my plans. And he told them exactly what to build it with. He said, bring gold, bring silver, bring bronze, bring, bring everything, bring all the best that you got. So God ain't looking for the leftovers. He's looking for the best that you have. He was looking for fine linens. He was looking for uh, the best animals. God wants the best from us. And so we saw that when Moses gave that order to the people, and then the Bible said that the, the people followed according to what God said, to the T, where he told them to place this, how big he told them to build this, how big this room was supposed to be, what the covering was supposed to be like. And then we saw that God blessed them, God blessed the people, and then we saw that his glory filled it to where Moses couldn't even enter into the tabernacle. Then we went down to 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles, and we see that God told David, build me a temple. And, ta- and, and David ended up passing that down to his son Solomon. Solomon built it, what, according to the plan, according to the design. God was very specific again. He had exact measurements. I mean, you look at Noah building the ark. He told him exactly how big, how long, how tall, how many stories, what to put in it, what to build it with. God is very specific. So we see that any time that God uh, builds something or has his people build something, he has a specific design and order that it is to be built to and a system that it should operate to. Then we went to the New Testament and we saw that Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 said, I will build my church. And then he gave specific order. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And then he goes through uh, the Corinthians and goes through Ephesians and goes through Romans and starts telling you how the church is to operate. Each member has its individual part. And when we all do our part, and we don't, we're not jealous and we're not gossiping, we're not backbiting, but when the entire body comes together and does its part, the church will operate in the earth as it's supposed to. Then you will have power and authority in the earth the way the church is supposed to. But there's another temple that God talks about. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Last week we looked at families and we said that if we build our home and we build our families according to God's system, it will be blessed. His glory will fill our homes and our families. We will glorify him through our homes and our families and he will be honored. But look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go to verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's what? Building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. What Paul is telling the Corinthian church here is that uh, I have planted this church, I established this church. Another man named Apollos came in behind me and started doing more of the work. So Paul planted Apollos watered. We saw that back in verse 6, verse 4, and verse, uh, verse 4 through 6. And so he's saying that the foundation was laid and then we built upon that. And you have to be careful how you build upon it. Let's keep going. Verse 10. Verse 10 again. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But look what he says here. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Why is he saying that? He's saying, you must be careful that when you're building something for me, that you follow my specifications. You follow my code, codes. I used last week the example that when we were building these classrooms, what took us so long to get here, because my original goal was January 1. And we're obviously past January 1. We're at March 1. And... My goal was January 1, but what did I run into? Code. I ran into somebody specifying how big the rooms needed to be, how much power needed to be in there, what we're building the walls with, what material we're using, how we're using the material, what, part, what parts are they spacing off the whole thing. They want to know. They want to know electrical. They want to know plumbing. They want to know utilities. They want to know all this stuff. Thank God we didn't have all that. But that's what the code is. And if it's not built to code, then it's not safe for anybody to be in. See, that's why they want to that's why they want to know. We think, you know, a lot of times government, you know, they just want to be in the know all the time. But if we were to have an accident or a wall fall over, 
what are they going to come back and tell me? You didn't come tell us you were building this, so we couldn't tell you how to build it properly to make sure it doesn't fall over. These accidents happen. These things happen. So God is saying, take heed how you build. You are God's building. Take heed how you build on it. Why? Because God desires to live in you. But remember what we said last week. God does not live in anything that is not built according to his code. There are a lot of churches having church right now that God is not in because they're not built according to his code. They're not following his order. They're not following his system. This earth, when it was originally created, when God put it into and put it in creation, put Adam and Eve in the garden. He had a system it was supposed to operate under. You do what I tell you to do, and you will be fruitful. You will be multiplied. You will be taken care of. They had everything they wanted to eat. They had everything they wanted to drink. They didn't have to worry about clothes. They didn't have to worry about where they were living or how they were paying their bills. The system was, trust in me, obey me, seek first my kingdom, and then I'll take care of you. But what happened? Man came out from under the system, and now God has pulled himself out of the earth, and we see what's happened. And the earth, as we know it, is in a downward spiral because there's another God, another enemy in the world. Okay, so let's keep going. Verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Jesus Christ must be your foundation. And we can put it this way, Jesus Christ being the Word, John chapter 1, verse 1, the Word needs to be your foundation. And it goes ahead, and he says right there, no other, no other foundation will do. You know the foundation is the most important part? You know, we couldn't have done what we did on dirt. There had to be a concrete slab here. And you know that no matter how good we make it look up top, if the foundation is faulty, the whole thing crumbles. So the foundation is the most important part. No matter how much time we spend putting sheetrock up and painting it and, and making it look beautiful, the second that something happens underneath it and the foundation is not sturdy, the whole thing goes down. All the pretty paint, all the pretty trimmings, all the pretty, all the pretty stuff that we put on the walls, all the stuff we put in the rooms crumbles. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of people that look good on the outside, but there's no sturdy, strong foundation. So the whole thing will eventually crumble. I mean, we, we see it in, in Hollywood all the time. Look good. I mean, we just had a, a very popular singer just pass away just recently. And you got the money, you got the homes, you got the life, you got what everyone in the world thinks that they're seeking after. But with no foundation, the whole thing crumbles. Without the proper foundation, the whole thing goes down. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. There's a lot of people working, and it's just going to be burned up. There's a lot of work going on. The, what is it? The greatest tragedy in life is, is being uh, busy but not effective. We've got to be busy and effective. Nothing wrong with being busy, but there are a lot of people just being busy with no effectiveness, no influence, not having influence on anybody, not doing anything for anybody. And that work will be burned up. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You understand that because God lives in you, we have a responsibility to be holy, to be a holy temple. It's not that we're holy in our own works, in our own justification. It's because the Spirit dwells in us. If the Spirit comes out, you're no longer holy. It's what's inside 
that makes it holy. See, when God had the tabernacle built, when he had the temple built, all those materials, all the gold, all the silver, all the good-looking stuff, it wasn't holy until God came and dwelled within the tabernacle, within the temple. Because they could have used that material to build anything. In fact, while Moses was up on the mountain, they made a golden calf. And it had no more holiness to it than anything else. They might as well made it out of dirt. Why was it not holy? Because God wasn't in it. They were creating that to substitute God. They were creating that to replace God. What makes you holy is the fact that the Spirit of God dwells within you. For do you not know that you are the temple? Okay, so we've already seen that when God builds something or God wants to build something to dwell in it, he has specifications. He has an order. He has a system that it ought to operate. Well, we are that building. We are that building, and we have a a specific order. We have specific instructions on how this thing is supposed to be built. We have specific instructions. Now, this isn't very popular in a lot of churches because in church we want to talk about the spirit. We want to talk about, you know, our spirit man and, and building up our spirit, and that's very important. And we want to talk about our soul realm, you know, the mind, will, and emotions. But when we talk about our flesh, we always talk about beating down the flesh. We always talk about not giving in to the flesh. We always talk about uh, crucifying the flesh, die to the flesh, tear down the flesh, right? This is what Paul's talking about. But when Paul said those things, he wasn't talking about the flesh, this body, this physical body. He's not literally mean go crucify yourself on a cross every day. He's not literally meaning beat yourself up in the morning to remind yourself who's in control. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't been going to work the past few years uh, with black and blue eyes and bloody lips because I beat the mess out of myself in the morning. When talking about our flesh, he was talking about fleshly desires. He's talking about your want to. That's what he's talking about. But this flesh... And this might, this might not be something we've heard a lot in church, but we have just as much responsibility to take care of this flesh suit as we do our spirit. And we don't give a lot of thought to that. You know, you get around spiritual people, and they're always, you know, talking about reading the Bible and praying. You gotta, but there is a taking care of our flesh that is important. Let me tell you why. When God created this earth, he created a kingdom. He didn't create uh, this earth um, just because he's bored one day. He had a kingdom in heaven, and he wanted to extend that kingdom to the earth. But he did not intend to rule over that earth. He placed somebody else in charge. He placed man in charge of the earth. Now we call the shots. He owns. We're in control. We've talked about it many times. I said, you know, I, I own my truck, but if I lend my truck to Chuck over here, Now, he's in control of it. He's in control of where it goes. He's in control of when he puts gas in it. He's in control of who he lets in the truck. He's in control of what he does with it. And I can give him specific instructions. Hey, Chuck, I need you to take my truck, and I need you to help move so-and-so out of their apartment. That's the instruction. I own the truck, but who's in control of it now? Chuck is. Now, he can obey my instructions and go to so-and-so's house, help them move. Or he can take my truck and he can go off to Atlanta and have a good old time and come back tomorrow. But did he come out of my system? He came out of my system. He came out of my instruction. He, came, he got outside of the limitations and the boundaries that I gave him. Well, that's what Adam and Eve did. But God is not in control as much as we want to say. As much as we say God is in control, whatever happens, happens. No, he's given that dominion and that authority to mankind. So here's why our bodies are so important. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them have dominion. But here's the key. Without your body, without your flesh suit, your spirit has no access in the earth. 
So as much focus as you want to place on your spirit man and strengthening your spirit man and growing up, if you don't take care of this and this leaves the earth, your spirit leaves the earth. There is no spirit legally operating in the earth. Now, I say legally because the enemy, Satan, has spirits illegally operating in the earth and doing things. There is a spirit realm. But God placed a system, has a system in place that if a spirit is going to operate in the earth, he has to be, he has to go through man. And when I say, I'm not talking gender, I'm talking the human race. Let me prove it to you. Jesus, could God have saved the entire world from heaven? Sure. He spoke everything into existence. Why couldn't he just say, let man be saved. Just like, let there be light, and let there be trees, and let there be this, and let there be that. Because after Genesis 1.26, that whole system changed. See, if you're still waiting for God to speak something into your situation, it ain't going to happen. Because the first five days of creation were the first five days of creation. Man wasn't in play yet. As soon as Genesis 1.26 hit, man has all the authority now. Through God. Everything that God, that's why he needed a man to part the Red Sea. That's why he needed man to walk around Jericho. That's why he needed a man, Jesus, to die on the cross to save the world. If you're still waiting for God to just move on your behalf and do something, he's not going to do it without using man. How many of you have ever been blessed by someone, by a person, either financially or they've given their time to you or they've given you a word? That's God working through man. And so that's how he works it. That's how he, that's how he operates now. So that's why we're focusing on our bodies. We're talking about 180. And I don't know about you. I know for me, a lot of times, come January... Uh, you know, we've been saying people evaluate their bodies, people evaluate their lifestyles. And for me, one of my big ones every year is I want to get back in the gym. Why am I having to get back in the gym? Because I was in the gym January 1, 2011. What happened from 2011 to 365 days later? And I'm saying get back in the gym. Now, I'm not saying everyone here needs to go get a gym membership and sign up. What I'm talking to you about today is taking care of this flesh suit. And I'm going to hit a, different, a few different avenues. But the first one I want to take care of is our habits, just physically speaking, because we have to be mindful of it. We can't try to be spiritual people and just say, I'm just going to sit at home and, and read my Bible all day and, and just pray all day and just praise God all day and just talk about God all day. But then we're not taking care of the flesh suit that's actually given our spirit man Access in the earth. Let me put it to you this way. Your flesh suit, what we're looking at today, is a representation of the kingdom of God. I don't know anybody on this earth that has x-ray vision that can see past your flesh and see your soul realm and your spirit realm. That's why we've been talking about the fruit of the spirit on Wednesdays. That's the whole reason we're talking about fruit of the spirit. Because if, if I could just look at your spirit being and know you are a spiritual person, then great. We don't need fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is to get your flesh to show what's going on on the inside. That's what we're talking about. We've got to take care of this flesh suit. We have a responsibility. Remember we said this, that the biggest key to 180, we opened up before we even got into each particular part we opened up and we said the biggest key to understand for 180 to see a life change in your life is to understand stewardship you own nothing the first person that walks around thinking it's my body i can do what i please is getting out of alignment to god's system let me put it to you this way. Your body is just as you are accountable for your body just as much as you are for your finances. Just as much as you are for your time. 
And see, that, that's, that's the one that hits home because it is my body. And that's, it's a control issue. And it's the one thing that you have control over that no one else. Nobody can go work out for you. No one else can eat for you. No one else can, uh, you know, take the right things and not put the wrong things in for you. No one can do that for you. That's you. That's all you. And so it gets personal, and it, it hits home now because we've always thought this is my body. If I want to work out, I'll work out. If I don't want to work out, if I want to eat that, if I don't want to eat that, if I want to take those or if I don't want to take those. And so we don't take these things into consideration when we understand that God owns our bodies. So stewardship is the biggest key. Just as much as you're going to be held accountable for what you do with your finances, just as much as you're going to be held accountable for how you work on the job and, how, and what you do uh, with your time, we are held accountable for our bodies. And what we're talking about is, is just daily habits, just physical activity. And, and the things that take care of it. Uh, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible does say that exercise profits little. That's what the Bible has to say about it. But godliness profits all. Exercise profits little. Well, it profits a little bit. You know, I mean, we got a guy down in um, one of our pastors on our pastoral staff, Pastor Mike Krulston, um, in his early 20s was a bodybuilder. I mean, the strongest man I've ever come into contact with. Um, unbelievable, the stuff that he can do. And he's still in the gym today. But back in his 20s, it was a God for him. We're talk, we'll talk about both sides. And it was a God for him. And he was putting stuff in his body he shouldn't have been putting in. Uh, he'd work out uh, two or three times a day because one time wasn't enough. He worked out a, at a specific gym where you have to get invited to go work out there. He was one of the top 25 strongest men in the entire state of of Ohio when he was like 23 years old. Used to play football and blew out his knee and couldn't play football anymore, so he just started lifting weights. And so it became a god for him. And so and he still works out to this day, and it's it's not the same for him. It doesn't control him anymore. He used to work out at this gym. He'd get off of a bench press benching close to 600 pounds, get up, and the guys would tell him that he was small and call him a wuss. This, this was his environment. Why? Because they want him to get bigger. They want him to get stronger because it makes them look good. And so this was, it was a mental thing for him. And so I asked him one day, I said, you know, how do you draw the line now? How are you over on the other side? Because he's still pushing the weight. Golly, he's pushing now close to 500 pounds, if not more, 450. Uh, you know, most of you know Pastor Brian, who was here before, and he's working out with him. And he's got Pastor Brian right up there with him now. I mean, Pastor Brian was already strong anyways. And so I asked him one day, I said, how do you draw the line now? Because you're still working out, and you obviously still enjoy it, and he loves it. He loves sports. He loves working out. And he, he loves all that. But he said that he read that verse and he saw that exercise profits. It does profit, but little. It was about priorities. Remember last week we were talking about priorities. And it's about what your priority is. What you're putting first. And priorities are determined by attention. Priorities are determined by time. And he just said, I just chose not to give as much time to it. I just chose not to give so much attention to what my body looked like and, and what other people said about it. And I just... I, I'm in the gym to stay fit and to stay active. He's not necessarily trying to get stronger. He's just doing it just to, just to be in shape. And he enjoys it, but it doesn't control him, and it's not a God to him like it used to be. But that exercise is important, eating the right things. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I'm not saying all this stuff because I do all of it. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm working on it just as much as anybody else. I, I could go through a 12-pack of sodas in a day if I wanted to. I love Dr. Pepper. I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to go to a restaurant and ask for anything else. But there's certain things that I had to take into consideration. I don't buy them and keep them at the house anymore because I know I'll go through it. Get rid of the source. Get rid of 
get rid of it being around me. Uh, eating right, whether we like it or not. And now, you know, when I was younger, you know, and people would see me eating anything I want, and they'd always tell me, you just wait. Your day's coming. Well, my day's coming. <laughs> it's getting there very quickly. And uh, so I'm, we're all in the boat. We have to watch these things. Why? Because we're accountable for our bodies. Go to Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans chapter 12. We're accountable. And I said we're going to talk about a few different veins. I'm not talking about, you know, going and getting a gym membership and buying healthy food for the rest of your life. (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you, there's plenty of stuff that we do that keeps us active. Plenty of stuff. You don't have to go to the gym and lift weights and do all that junk. There's people that are working outside. There's people that got so much to do around the house. There's people that have kids. Yeah. Have a have a one-and-a-half, two-year-old for a few days and see what that does to your metabolism. Burn it up. Romans chapter 12. Let's look at that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Not your spirit. Not your soul. He's saying present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know what that means? Uh-uh. <laughs> That's the word we don't like, living sacrifice. That means on a daily basis we are putting stuff down. You are sacrificing. If it's a sacrifice, that means you really want to or you really don't want to. <laughs> That's what a sacrifice is. It's not a sacrifice for me to refrain from eating uh, an almond joint. Because I do not like coconut. So that's not a sacrifice. That's easy for me. But if someone says, put down that Dr. Pepper, now we're talking about sacrifice. Now we're moving over into, but I really want that. Okay? So he's saying, present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is what God has to say about our bodies, our flesh. He's looking for us to daily move into something that we're putting down. Now, obviously, uh, desires and those type of things, you know, immoral activity and all that kind of stuff, that's, that goes without saying. We know that. In fact, the reason why Paul went to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and said, do you not know that your temple is the Holy Spirit is because they had sexual immorality going on in the church. And he's saying, your flesh, you are using your flesh improperly. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells, lives within you. You are to be holy. You are to offer your bodies as a holy being. And now he's seeing all this stuff go on in the church that they're using their physical bodies for. I'm going to tell you right now that there are talents and skill sets that we all have. God-given talents. But the industry and the environment and the atmosphere you use it in is up to you. Again, presenting our bodies. There are a lot of people in the Hollywood entertainment industry that have God-given talents but are using them in the wrong assignment. That's another danger. Being successful in the wrong assignment. That's deception. Because now you can think, I am successful. I've got the money. I've got the house. I've got the cars. I've got the home. I've got the life, but it was the wrong assignment. Those talents need to be used in the church. Those talents need to be used for the glory of God. I mean, right here, I mean, we just saw Matt Hunt and a talent and a skill set that he has. And to do it quick, too. (laughs) Not just do it, but to do it quick. And he has determined. How long have you been at the church now? Close to a year? Full time? Yeah. Almost, yeah, it's been a while since I was there. <clears throat> For that long, he's been just given his time, given that skill set to the church. He could be out working a great job as a contractor or building homes or whatever. There's plenty of people that need that work right now. And not doing it for a dime. I mean, you're not on paid staff. 
That's using your talent and your skill set, using his physical attributes. That's not his spirit doing that work. And he could do it in any industry, in any environment, in any atmosphere he wants. But because he's being led by the spirit, he's making that living sacrifice. And his body is now being wholly presentable unto the Lord. It says that that is our reasonable service. That is our service to God. Using our talents. What are your talents? What are your gifts? I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't know, then they're, they're just waiting for you to figure them out. I'll tell you that right now. And there ain't nothing wrong with knowing, but God will reveal it. If you're good with kids, then he wants to use that. If you have a great singing voice, he wants to use that. If you have a musical talent, he wants to use that. If you're a good athlete, he wants to use that. If you can put your hand to something, he wants to use If you have computer skills, accounting skills, God uses all this stuff. Again, this is the same church, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is where Paul starts talking about the body. He starts talking, it's many members, but one body. And we don't, we don't view the, the parts that aren't seen as any less. i tell you right now, the parts of me that are operating right now that you can't see are just as important or more important than the parts you can see. And the, the parts you can see do nothing if the brain isn't working, if the heart's not pumping, if the lungs aren't going. We got a problem. And so for us to get over into this, uh, this uh, spiritual, the spiritual hero, this spiritual Hollywood guy, and say, I got to be on stage, I got to have a microphone in my hand, I got to be behind an instrument, I got to be a teacher, I got to have the title, this is false. This is not true. It's about using your gift, your skill set, your talent for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, and getting in there and doing that. Amen? A living sacrifice. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We have accountability and a responsibility to take care of our bodies. I'll tell you right now, the, the, the mindset of it doesn't belong to me, that'll help us right there. That'll change it right there. You mean I'm putting that into something that doesn't even belong to me? You mean I'm doing that with something that doesn't even belong to me? You mean I'm not giving that to something that doesn't belong to me? Let me show you value. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Same church. Corinthian church, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your what? Own. Look at this in verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. See, he separates it out. Which are God's. So our bodies don't belong to us. They were bought at a price. There's the value. And we all know the price that was paid. A very high price. So this is why I don't tolerate sickness and disease. I'll tell you right now. And I don't tolerate people that want to tell me that God places sickness on people. Or is trying to tr tempt you. Or trying to get you to trust in it. I do not tolerate that. Let me tell you why. Jesus did way too much and went through way too much. If you could physically see it, there's no movie, there's no film, there's no show that can show you what Jesus went through. And that is a slap in his face to say that he went through all that, but it wasn't good enough because God is still trying to use sickness to teach you something. That is garbage. It's absolute garbage. I don't tolerate that. Healing and sickness are so, uh, uh, healing of sickness and disease is so important. And we just overlook it. And I'll tell you right now, and there was a, I can't remember if it was John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth. One of the two said, made this statement, said, I am afraid that the advancement of medical science will hinder healings in the later days. Why? Because we put more trust in a pill, we put more trust in a doctor than we do Jesus. Who paid it all. 
I, you know, and, and people ask the question, why were there so many healings? Why were there so many miracles when Jesus was walking on earth? This is why. You, know, you realize how many of these people that Jesus healed had no other option. Leprosy was an incurable disease. No other option. You had to live outside the city. You couldn't even come in. If you did come in to buy anything, you had to yell unclean so everyone could get out of the way. Nothing they could do. Woman with the issue of blood went and saw all the doctors she could, spent all the money she had, and what grew worse? No option. A blind man, no option. Deaf man, no option. A lame man, no option. Dead people, no option. But we have options today. So we don't put as much trust there. Can God use medical science? Sure. Does God use doctors? Sure. You know why? Because that is a skill set and a talent and a gift that he's given them, whether they know it or not. But I don't know how many times I've seen people go under a, world, a worldly system, a doctor, a surgery, an operation, trust in God, and it go beyond the limitations of the world. Because let me tell you right now, if you go in trusting that a doctor can fix you, then you are limited to what the doctor can do. Six to 12 weeks of rehab, you're going to be hurting for this many days, it's going to be bleeding for this many days. And I have seen people go into surgery and then have supernatural healing, supernatural recoveries. Things that should have happened didn't happen, and things that shouldn't have happened did happen. So we can let the doctors do their thing, we can let the medicine do its thing, but we don't stop there. We're not limited there. Why is this so important? Because your body is a representation of the kingdom of God. People aren't looking at God and seeing what his kingdom looks like. They're looking at you. Everywhere you go, you represent the kingdom of God. Everywhere you go, you represent your king. That's why Joshua could stand up when they were about to lose a battle, when they were fighting, and he would look at God and say, God, your name is on the line, not my name. This is the people of Israel, the Philistines, the Amalekites. They know this is God's people. If we lose, they're not going to say Joshua lost. They're not going to say the Israelites lost. They're going to say we defeated God. He'd boldly look at them. Your name is on the line. Next time you're sick, next time you have that, you do that to God. God, if you don't heal me because I'm trusting in you and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, then your name is on the line. And we know that's true because we see people die and we don't know why they die. And we see people get sick and we don't know why they get sick. And what do we say? God must be, I don't know what God's doing. God's in control. There are people that have died that if I didn't know the backstory, I would have been asking questions too. But because I knew something, I knew what was missing. Because the Bible is very clear. Unforgiveness will block. Bitterness will block. I know a man that just this last year was this close to death. And searching and searching. What is it? What is it? What is it? Bitterness. Towards a former pastor that he had in his life. Got rid of the bitterness. Got healed. If he didn't get rid of the bitterness, would have died. And everybody would have seen this man, a very spiritual man. And we would have been left with, I don't know why he died. I'm going to tell you right now, we can ask that question all day long. But nothing changes what this Bible says. And if my God is a healer, and if this Bible says he's a healer, then there had to be something else. It will never change me. Nobody's personal experience, I don't care what happened to your grandma, I don't care what happened to your brother or your sister or your children, nothing will change what this Bible says. And you have to get that. There's no personal experience that will ever change what this says. I can always go to, I don't know why they died. There are unanswered questions, but I do know this. My God is a healer. He wants people in the earth. Now, I don't know how many of you, I've heard it. Guess God needed another angel in his choir. He doesn't have angels in a choir. That's not what angels are doing. 
Read the Bible. Angels are working for you. They're going and getting healing and bringing it to you. They're going and getting finances and bringing it to you. They are messengers. They're going and guiding and directing you. They came to bring messages. When, when, when angels came to people, came to Joseph, Jesus' dad, came to Mary, Jesus' mom, came to John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah. What were they saying? They're saying, this is about to happen. Flee here and go here. You need to do this. What are they doing? Giving direction. They're doing God's bidding on your behalf. They're working for you. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that you will judge the angels whether they did what they're supposed to do. You'll judge them. And so we just want to sit back and say, you know, God, God needed more angels in a choir or God needed to take people to heaven or he was lonely or something. Give me a break. That's why we need to stand on God's word. And our bodies, whether we like it or not, are a physical representation of what God is doing in this earth. You are that. When you go to your, when you go to your job and everybody else is, is sick and gets the flu and you can say, oh, I don't care what season it is. I don't care if it's spring. I don't care what's in the air. I don't care the pollen. I don't care well, if it's flu season. Well, aren't you going to go get the shot? No, because I trust in God's word. And when everybody else gets sick and you don't, Who's getting the glory? God. That's why he said, make sure you are glorifying God with your bodies. A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Not your spirit. Because you know why? Ain't no one on this earth can see your spirit. Sorry. You need your flesh to show it. You need your flesh to reveal that. Look at this in John, uh, 3 John, 3 John verse 2. We're talking about a 180. I believe that from this day we're going to see <clears throat> different responses towards things. We're going we're gonna to hold ourselves accountable to what we're doing with our bodies, how we treat our bodies, what we're putting in our bodies and what we're not putting in our bodies, what we're doing with our bodies, and taking that time, taking that uh, extra effort to make it a priority because we are accountable, we're responsible. Third John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in what? Just as your soul prospers. Be in health just as your soul. What's he saying? He's relating it to just as your soul's prospering. Your flesh needs to prosper. You can be all spiritual on the inside, but unless you're revealing it on the outside, then something's missing. We have an accountability to this. We have a responsibility to this. God is holding us accountable. It's not going to work. It's my body and no one can tell me what to do with it. So here's what we looked at last week. By building according to God's design, one, he will dwell in it. How many of you want God to dwell within you? Yeah. By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God dwelling in you. Okay? The second thing that we saw was that his glory would fill it. His glory needs to be on our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we're walking around in a trance and we have this glowing beam around us all the time. That just means that we have the glory of God. We know that his presence, that's what the glory is. The glory is his presence. So when troublesome things come, the peace covers you because you're in his glory. When things try to make you worry, try to make you anxious, you're in his glory. Look at this. The third thing was that the people were blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Be blessed in your entire life then we have to build the temple according to God's design. And the last thing that we saw last week was that he would be glorified. He would be glorified. Remember Solomon, after they built the temple, and he blessed the people, and he said, today, through this temple, 
through building it according to God's design, Jesus' name, His name is lifted up. Look, your bodies ought to bring glory to the Father. Our bodies, our talents, our skill sets, how we live, it should bring glory to the Father. You know, I mean, that's the difference in the music industry. Who's getting the glory? I mean, when they're cheering and they're screaming and they're yelling and clapping, and it's entertainment. And we're, we're seeing this start to creep into the church, this whole entertainment drive with worship. The second that you start clapping for the worship pastor is the second that we have lost the full motivation for worship. The second that we're more excited to see the worship band, that's why, you know, I know it's frustrating in worship. Trust me. I've been in worship teams since I was 11 years old. It's most frustrating for me. But we will get there. But the reason why I'm able to still enter in and still worship my king is because it's not about who's up here. It's not about how many instruments we got going, how bright the lights are, and how loud the music is. It's about who I'm worshiping, who I'm singing to. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And I can sing with no music. I can sing in my car. I can sing in the shower. I can sing in my house. And I can sing if there's someone here leading me, or I can sing on my own. That's what worship is for. And so we have worship teams and worship bands that are getting more glory than the king is. If you don't believe me, then I would dare them to go to church next week, unplug everything, and get the presence of God to fill the place the way they think it fills. And they'll probably find out that the presence they thought they were feeling was an emotional experience because they hit the right note at the right time and sang the... You know, there, there was this whole thing in the charismatic churches when I was growing up that you could quench the spirit by singing the wrong note or going to the wrong song or playing the wrong instrument at the wrong time. And that just makes the Holy Spirit sound like a big baby. I mean, you, because you hit the wrong note, because you plucked the wrong string, because you went to the wrong song. I mean, I know that there's a, there is a development of the presence of God. But quenching the Spirit means that He has to be moving. I mean, it, quench means to put out or extinguish. If I light a match right now and I blow it out, I quenched it. But can I quench an unlighted match? No. And so we think that we kept something from, we, we keep the Holy Spirit from moving because of something that we do. He's not that finicky, He's not that picky. So it's not an entertainment. It's not about what's up here. It's about worshiping God. The true worship team is the one that can unplug everything and start worshiping their king and lead people in that. It's not about entertainment. Because if they're getting the glory, the talent is there. The skill is there. But if they're getting the glory, and that's the only reason why people are coming, and I have to question whether the Holy Spirit is really moving. Because the Holy Spirit moves when He's glorified. The Holy Spirit comes, His glory and His presence fills the house when He is lifted up. Not when the worship pastor sounds phenomenal, or not when the guitars are all in tune, or not when the drummer does the biggest drum roll. That's not the presence of God. So we have to be aware of this in our own bodies. This is the 180 in our own lives. The talents that we have, the skills that we have, operating as kingdom ambassadors and representatives on this earth, and, 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 and being healthy and whole within our bodies. I'll tell you right now, uh, and this isn't condemnation. This isn't coming down on anybody. But we have to start fighting that and not just letting it come to us. The biggest, the, the biggest mind change that I'm trying to, to get today, 
Again, I'm not trying to get everyone to run out of here and go get a gym membership and buy only healthy food and throw away every fattening thing they have in their house. That's not the goal. The goal is for us to understand that our bodies are not our own. We were bought at a price. There's a value. I'm going to tell you right now, the change doesn't come until you value what he values. The change comes when you value what he values. When you value, uh, let's go back to what we've been talking about. We started with finances. When you, when you value finances the way he values it, which means being able to give it up at any time and not letting it have you, then we have the change. When you can value your relationships as much as the king values a relationship, then we can see the change. When you value your family and you value your home as much as he values families and homes, we'll see that change. And when you value your own body the way he values you, your flesh, then we'll see that change happen. And our spirit will have its most effectiveness, our spirit being will have the most effectiveness in this earth when you are at your full potential in your flesh. Bottom line. And we can't disregard that any longer. It's been far too long that we've disregarded that. It's been far too long that we haven't said what our flesh is supposed to do and what our body is supposed to be like and, and feel like and be able to do. We shouldn't have limitations in the flesh. We, we shouldn't have limitations from doing things. And I'll tell you right now, if you're at home sick in bed, who are you influencing at your job? Who are you influencing at Walmart? And, and so the enemy uses that to keep you to take your influence. That's what, that's what happens when you die. When you die... Your influence is taken out of the earth. Everyone you would come in contact with, every person you would come in contact with in your job, you lose that influence. So that's why we have to take care of ourselves. That's why we have to be healthy. That's why we have to be the proper representatives and ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this message this morning. We thank you that you have given us this flesh suit And Father, I pray today that we walk away from here valuing what you value. That we place a priority, give attention to what you have called us to give attention to, Father. We're so thankful for the the word that can strengthen our spirit, that can help us renew our mind and and change our will and our emotions. But Father, we're also uh, so thankful for the ability to enhance our flesh and to be able to to keep ourselves in the earth and be able to stay healthy and and be able to use our talents and our skill sets for the kingdom of God. Father, there are things that you've given us to enjoy. You said you've given all things to us to enjoy. But Father, I thank you that we will seek the kingdom with it and that we will put it towards kingdom purpose, towards serving you, towards influencing people on this earth with the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you for this body that's here. I thank you for uh, every person, every individual, every family, every home that is represented. Father, I thank you that they are blessed. The glory fills their lives and fills their homes. That you dwell with them, that they know you're there, that they feel your presence. And Father, I thank you that you are glorified through every person that is here, every individual, that we do everything to bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, at this time, I want to take up our <clears throat> tithe and offering. Um, again, as I said on Wednesday, the, the building fund has been completely met, um, which is awesome. And so we were able to uh, knock out that project. Um, we have a few more things that we're going to do. Obviously, we're going to finish up the classrooms and paint. Um, and then we are going to make a carpet run and get the carpet for the sanctuary get the carpet for the classrooms, and, um, and have a big carpet-laying party. <laughs> That'll be done over time. But uh, we're excited about getting that in here. It's going to look really good. And that'll just about finish us off.
uh, for, for where we want to be and what we want to do um, outside of that. Amen. Um, also, uh, if you need a tithe and offering envelope, if you'll raise your hand, uh, the ushers will get you one. Uh, remember to, um, if you have, uh, 